When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back once again. Divisional previews continue from the fantasy perspective. It was the AFC East on the Monday edition of the show. It is the NFC East here on the Wednesday edition of the show. I will say this, Jamie, Jake and I were talking in the pre-show, a more fun division to break down, a more fun division yes. to do deep dives on compared to the AFC East that we did on Monday. So I think there's going to be uh, some good conversation here. We are making one slight adjustment to the way that we're doing this. So we we have our, our biggest bust and our biggest sleeper, but what we found in our one division sample size is that they kind of overlap with the ADP must-have and must-avoid. So we're going to talk about those players at the end if they are different from who our busts and sleepers are. So just a programming note for everybody, because if we don't get to that for every team, it means we kind of agree that those players that are busts and sleepers also apply to that category. Um I, I decided that we would do this in order of the divisional standings at the end of last year. I had a little bit of a brain blast. So we'll start with the Washington football team, mainly because I wanted to talk about the Washington football team first. Jamie, I'll start with you. Biggest bust potential. This pains me to say, Chris. I think it's Logan Thomas um, coming off of the best season that he just had. But you look, look at the additional weapons that have been brought into Washington, Adam Humphreys, Curtis Samuel, you know, you're going to have another year of progression from Antonio Gibson and the quarterback's different and the quarterback that likes to throw it more to, you know, tight end slot players, middle or not tight, excuse me, slot players in the middle of the field, you know, maybe a little bit dump off in the backfield. So I have a little bit of a concern that Logan Thomas might not be able to live up to these new lofty expectations. I still have him ranked as a tight end one. I'm not. This is one of those cases like with a little bit like with Corey Davis on our last show where I'm not freaking out about where he's going ADP wise. But I could foresee a path where we're sitting here eight weeks into the season and go, 
yeah, we can see where his some of his targets got redistributed elsewhere into this offense with the changing of the quarterback and the additional weapons that they've brought in. So uh, he's somebody that I want to kind of just keep a, an, an eye on. Uh, if you just expect that he's going to repeat his breakout from last year, even though he's in the same offense with the same coordinator, same head coach, there are other weapons, other quarterback there now. So I'm a little bit more concerned for him. I still have him ranked as a tight end one. I wouldn't overly freak out about it. I don't think there's a lot of bust potential on this team, to be honest with you. I think a lot of these players are ranked fairly appropriately um, in terms of where I have them. Obviously, I think they're ranked fairly in my own rankings uh, and where they're going ADP wise. So but he's a player that, again, some of this is just like, where's the chance that this could happen? I could see him being the guy that loses some targets in this offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. I like it. I like it. Jamie, cover your ears because you're not going to like this one. Oh, Jake, are you and I on the same page here? Because I promised Jamie, I, I, yes. I, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm in a different direction. Well, then why would Jamie cover his ears? This is his absolute boy of boys. Here's why. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Because everybody listened to Jamie last year and they jumped on the, the prop bet machine that was like seven weeks of 28 targets and he only needed four catches in the game to get there. The reason I'm saying this, why I like the player, I really love the fit last year. I don't think Fitz is the same kind of quarterback. He's a little bit more of a gunslinger. He's going to throw it some more. And I do expect, if healthy, here's the biggest kicker of this whole thing. If healthy, Gibson should be a much bigger part of this offense. That's their bell cow. That's the guy they want to go to. Remember, he was a receiver at Memphis, turning into a running back. He's going to fit that role. I don't think there's going to be as many snaps for McKissick, especially with these additions other places. He played receiver at times. And he's getting drafted like he was still in that window of Jamie's just making money hand over fist last year on these prop bets. Never prop bet, baby. I don't, I don't think – I think he's going to get overdrafted because of that. I think he's got the biggest bust potential. Although I agree with Jamie, this offense, not a lot of bust potential. I think this offense could be good. So I actually – I agree with that. And I, and I think that's, that's a great name to consider here because Fitzpatrick is not Alex Smith you're not going to get these 10, 12, 14, 17 target games <laughs> that we saw for J.D. McKissick at times where that offense was, I mean, brought dink and dunk to a whole new level uh, at points last season. The other factor to consider here, even if Gibson's not healthy, a player I have a really, really close eye on in the, that I'm going to have on in this training camp that starts in a couple weeks and in the preseason is rookie Jarrett Patterson. I want to see if they're going to go with if something if Gibson's toe lingers, if that's been we've heard conflicting reports about where, what the status of his toe is as we enter July. If that injury lingers or another one pops up at some point during the season, I don't think they're going to go to J.D. McKissick as that pseudo lead back like they kind of did last year where Peyton Barber got some work, but they really let J.D. McKissick play running back traditional for them in those periods of time. I think that could be open to somebody else. And Patterson could be a guy that quote-unquote, is the third running back on the team but ends up being the top backup running back should something happen to Antonio Gibson. Like it. Jamie, I promised you a hot take earlier. Oh, yeah. So, so so, why are you going to say Scary Terry? No, I'm going to say Antonio Gibson? Gibson. Is it because of the toe or is, it, is there and, another reason? And I will segue it into what my one burning question is about this about this team because it's also Antonio Gibson related. It is a question of... How much can he repeat the success of his rookie season and how much that injury 
is going to hinder him. And I think when you put those together, a guy that's going RB13 ADP-wise, Jamie, you have him ranked RB14, just outside the cusp of that RB1 territory. You're talking about a guy that on a week-to-week uh, week week basis could give you RB1 production, so you're taking him with that in mind. I think there's an opportunity if that toe lingers or if now with Ryan Fitzpatrick, all these new weapons in there, if his role changes a little bit or he just doesn't match the production that we saw from his rookie season, now you're kind of left out, out in the rainstorm with the guy that you took as the RB13 with the idea that he's an RB1. I get it. I'm a huge I'm a huge Gibson fan. I think he's going to be okay, but it is the one question I think that this offense does have. I think it's 100% injury related, Jim. Like I, I don't I think his role I think the, the role in the offense is Christian McCaffrey like if he's healthy, 100% healthy. I think it's 100% is that toe or something else pop up and can he not handle the load? I think they want to give him a massive load. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jake, because here's, here's what I looked at last year. I pulled up the numbers. When he was healthy, so the games that he started and, and finished, he only got 58.33% of the total running back carries. So he is not a player like that it was getting a mass majority. I mean, we, we've talked about that with McCaffrey up in the 90% mm-hmm. and some of these other players there. So there is some meat on the bone for him to be there. You know, really only had a, a 10% target share as well, which was something that I was surprised at how fairly little he was used as a receiver, particularly in the first eight to 10 weeks of the season, compared to what we thought he would be used as coming out of college. We thought he would be that. I mean, we thought he would have the JD McKissick like season, right? Like, guy that hadn't played a lot of snaps at running back, he might come in and be that third down, high target player. And they said from pretty much week one to no, we're going to run him like a traditional running back. And there were times where he was only getting three or four targets a game. So to and me, I think better every week, right? Like learning yeah, how to play the position. I think that's where the growth is, is really an off season of studying it, going back and say, okay, this, I like this. I like this. The more he sees it now, the better he is as a running back. I think that's hundred percent health related. Yeah. I, I think there's plenty of meat left on the bone from a workload perspective. Cause I think his workload could actually go up significantly if they yeah. start to take away from JD McKissick. The question's going to be is a, does that toe crop up and B does that workload cause another injury? Like those are all the things mm-hmm. that you have to account for for any running back, particularly a young running back that is coming that ended his season with an injury and is coming into this season with at least some level of a lingering factor. So from that perspective, yes, there is some bust potential, but I actually I don't think there's a workload bust potential just based on the way he was used last year. Yep. Who did we all pick as our biggest sleeper for the Washington football team? Matt, you know where I went. I I think Jake I think Jake and I are on the same page here. I want to see is three. It, are, it could be it's, three for three. I went Fitzmagic. Oh, okay. That's so fair. did I. I, I, I went did not. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. But that's fair. Okay, so you guys talk to me about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think right now he's going, what, QB 20, QB 21? QB 26, according to Fantasy Pros. Well, that's wrong. QB 26? That's just wrong. That's just wrong. We just named all these guys and said there's so little bust potential. I, people keep putting it there like he's going to get replaced by Taylor Henneke or – Whoever else, Kyle it's Fitz's team. They're going to ride this out. Ron Rivera is, I'm making the playoffs and I'm making a run. We're going to play great defense. Yes, he's going to turn it over occasionally. Nobody else in that roster is going to sling it like this. This offense could be scary. I think he could be more like QB 15 before it's over with, if they let him just run with it. And we're talking about a running back that catches it better than he runs it and doesn't really know how. I can see them turning into, okay, our defense is really good. If we turn it over, we take some risks. So be it. We'll live with it. I think he could have a monster year. I agree. I have him right now as my QB 17. Uh, and, and I think he can be, you know, in that QB 17 in average points and in total points, he'd be closer to QB 15 because I have some like rookies in that equation as well that maybe on a per game basis will be more 
uh, points once they end up getting the starting role at some point. Uh, but I'm going to stick with that passing game. I'm going to go Adam Humphreys. I'm beating the drum that Adam Humphreys is a sleeper on this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to throw to slot players. He was at one point before he went to Miami was the, and there was a three-year stretch prior to going to Miami where he, excuse me, prior to last year in Miami where he targeted slot receivers more than any other quarterback in the NFL. He has some built-in chemistry with Adam Humphreys from their time together in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's a veteran, solid check-down presence. And I think we talk about where McKissick might not be that check-down guy in that traditional role. I think that short yardage role will go to Adam Humphreys, where there's already some chemistry there. It's already a position that he likes to throw it to. And with all of the attention in the world on Terry McLaurin down the field and whatever eye candy they're going to do with, with Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel all over the field, I think Adam Humphreys is going to be the guy that gets the advantageous matchups more often than not and a guy that can win off the line quickly and be that for PPR purposes, that really solid weapon for you that, you know, you might not feel great taking him at the end of your draft, but you just look at every week and go, man, I just can't drop this guy. He keeps putting up seven, eight, nine points every single week. Dude, I'll tell you what we're learning about the Washington football team. It's health related. If they're healthy. Yeah. As good as this defense is going to be again. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many injuries they can sustain on this offense, but if this offense is healthy guys, offensive line solid, like they're going to be all right. Quick betting note on this front, too. The Washington football team is probably the best value play right now across the board in terms of odds to win the division, odds to win the conference, all of that stuff. They have the best value play of anybody on the board because right now, depending on the book that you look at, they're second or third in odds in the NFC East. And it puts them like their – last I checked, they were plus 250 to win the East. They were like 28 to 1 to win the conference and 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and they were in the same range as like the Atlanta Falcons, the Chicago Bears, the Ooh, God. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that's the range. They were underneath those teams. Those teams had better odds uh, than the Washington football team. So there is plenty of value there right now because once again, for the 877,000th consecutive season in a row, all of the public money is on the Cowboys to do all the things that they won't actually do. Washington is plus 200 to win the division, according to Bet Online. I'm looking up what their odds are to win the NFC. They are plus 2,000 to win so the NFC. To and their Super Bowl odds are plus 4,000, so 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, as from our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, I, I issued my burning question about the Washington football team. Jamie, what is yours? What do the running back reception totals look like? You know, we expected Antonio Gibson to have a bigger role, as we alluded to earlier, in the pass-catching game. We saw that grow a little bit as the season went on, but it didn't really grow into what we thought it would be. Jaden McKissick was a target monster for that team for so long. We don't really anticipate that happening again to that capacity. You know, how often is Curtis Samuel lined up in the backfield and maybe getting some looks on certain plays where he's the guy that's making quote-unquote catches as a running back? Uh, so to me, it's more of, the room where Antonio Gibson can grow significantly this season in terms of workload is be gaming to add to his pass catching totals. Is that something he's going to be able to do? Is he, is that something he's going to have the opportunity to do? And for JD McKissick, his entire fantasy value is completely contingent on how many targets he gets. Jake, your burning question. I went with who's the secondary option to scary Terry. Does it become Logan Thomas? Does Curtis Samuel come up and become a two who becomes the secondary target kind of monster? Who does Fitz fall in love with? Is it Adam Humphreys in the slot? Is it one of those backs coming out of the backfield? There's a lot of options for that secondary option, but who becomes that guy? Because we know Scary Terry is the number one. 
who becomes number two and kind of, I think whoever that person is can really step up and have a really solid season. I don't know that it's Curtis Samuel. He has the potential to do that, but he's still kind of a tweener in my mind. So it's going to be interesting to see if he really plays how they use him as Jamie was just alluding to. Uh, any different names for the must-have and must-avoid that we at least want to mention here before we move on to the New York Giants? I mentioned Logan Thomas in my must-have. I know Jamie was kind of talking about his bust, uh, but I mentioned him as my must-have, but we already talked about him. And my must-avoid, Curtis Samuel, because if I think Logan Thomas is going to emerge as that number two, Curtis Samuel's ADP kind of feels to me that he could be the odd man out. I would once again mention potential bust. I am not calling Logan Thomas a bust. He would not no, be on right, a bust list if we were doing this. This is a the chance to like if there's not a clear like this player is a high bust value, it is potential to bust. I still like Logan sure. Thomas where he's going and where he's being drafted. Other than Philly, sure. this bust list is going to be really interesting in this division. Well, I, th- I know one place where the bus list isn't going to be interesting. Let's get to the New York football giants and we'll just start there with the All biggest right, so bust get, potential. Get this out of the way. It's Saquon Barkley. I'd say on three. One, 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 two, three, Saquon Barkley. He's going as the RB, what, four, five? He's dropping, though. I got to give a little bit of credit to the fantasy community. He's starting to drop a little bit. He's He's RB5 right now. RB3 to RB5 over the last month or so. So they're coming around where they're they're coming too high. But at least he's he's starting to to come down a bit. Look, he's – you can make an argument late in the first round. You can make an argument as you're picking around the turn. But there is no, but you have to understand you are assuming a tremendous amount of risk. There is upside, absolutely. We know how good of a talent he is, but you are assuming a tremendous amount of risk for, oh, by the way, them playing all this coy stuff is finally getting people to pay attention. I, I, I'm at the point where now I'm not even sure he's going to be active for week one. Like that's that's the point where we're starting to talk about right now because they're they're not being coy for some advantageous purposes. They're being coy because they don't know, or they know and it's bad. So, or I shouldn't say bad. No, and it's going to be longer than they want to let anybody on to know. I'm concerned. Like to me, I I have to rank him somewhere. But if you said I had to draft today, I'm probably just skipping over him. I'm probably just going to skip. I'm going to take the next player on my board. And if he fell to me a full round later or something, then I'll go, okay, maybe I'll take a risk there. But I'm I'm probably at this stage today, I'm I'm not gonna move him down my rankings quite yet. I'll wait to see what happens in training camp or whatnot. But I would be okay with just saying, you know what, I'm just gonna skip him. I'm gonna go someplace else. Because I think even your best case scenario, you're getting a low end RB1. Like I don't think you're getting a high end RB1 even in best case scenario this year. I think your best case scenario is you're gonna get a, a solid low end RB1. That you'll be okay with if you're taking him at pick 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere like that. Worst case scenario is you're going to get eight weeks of RB2 play, which I think is very much in play at this point. So I'm scared. Here's your weekly reminder that everybody in the NFL in the offseason works out. A lot of them run in the sand. A lot of them run with cones. A lot of them do box jumps. Not everybody videos it. I don't care. Of course, he can do all that stuff in shorts or barefooted in the offseason. There's one dude that's ever coming off ACL, the running back position, and has been the same guy, and that's Adrian Peterson. Until somebody else does it, he is red flagged. He's off my board. I don't care. This is the easiest question we'll ever talk about on the show on potential of bust. It's got to be Saquon. He's getting overdrafted. I love the player. I love the kid. I love the potential. Keep in mind, this is a business. The New York football giants have a huge draft pick wrapped up in this. They have a ton of money wrapped up in this. He's the face of the franchise, but he's hardly been there for two years. They're going to be careful with this because there's going to be a time it's going to be too sore to play. 
He might have to get it cleaned up with a scope, as we saw last year with Darius Geis coming off an ACL. The same stuff happens year in, year out. I don't care how big your quads are. I don't care how much you look cool running the sand. It is damn near impossible. There's been one guy that's ever done it. That's all you need to know. This is too much risk for you in the first round. I agree with Jamie. If he falls to you a full round after you're comfortable taking him, okay, maybe. But not in the first round. I think an interesting conversation on this team is the biggest sleeper on the New York uh, football giants. Jake, where did you land on this one? I want Sterling Shepard. That's yeah, that's what I did too. Yeah, too, he's, he's one such of a big name, but he kind of gets like drops Wide every year. Seventy ADP right now. Yeah. Seventy, and, and, and he's just getting wrapped up in. Oh, they have Kenny Galladay, and oh, Saquon Barkley's coming back, and oh, there's question marks about Daniel Jones, and he just kind of gets lumped into like, oh, he's not good anymore. But Sterling Shepard was the number one guy for this team for the last three seasons. If he's healthy. He's a stud. If he comes off missing three weeks, he has a big game. He's bit me in the ass, not drafted him like three years in a row. There's value here, big-time value here. I think he's a sleeper. I'm not sure that he's not the best player on this offense. If he's healthy, he's going to be the most consistent player in this offense for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to be the most targeted player in this offense. Like, I mean, he he is the wide receiver one there. Now, we'll see how Kenny Galladay works into the equation, but – He's been the wide receiver one there. Last year had a, a target share of almost 23.5% in the games that he played. Like, it it was fairly significant for him. You know, I think that's going to drop a little bit with Kenny Galladay in town, and obviously I'm factoring in a few missed games. I have three missed games factored in already to my projections, but I still think he can be a guy that's pushing 100 targets even over 14 games. And he's going he's gonna to a, catch a high volume of those. He's got a career catch percentage with Daniel Jones over 71%. Like so, he he gets those high catchable targets in PPR. He's a player that everybody continues to sleep on. You know, right now he is going as I mentioned earlier, the wide receiver seventy, uh, and I have him inside my top forty-five wide receivers. So uh, that's a big value for me. The other one that I'll, I'll call a sleeper as well toward the end of your draft, and it basically is a dovetail off the conversation we just had, and that's Devontae Booker. You know, we saw the value that Wayne Gallman had last year as taking and Devonta Freeman, then Wayne Gallman. Uh, when they took over for Saquon Barkley last year, Devontae Booker cl- appears to me to be the clear number two option there in New York. They've got Elijah Penny. They've got uh, you know Gary Brightwell. They've got some other pieces there, but nobody, I think, that has the experience of Devontae Booker, who, who they brought in to basically be their clear number two. If something happens to Saquon Barkley, sure, you're not going to get anywhere near Saquon Barkley peak value, but you're going to get a top 25 running back out of the equation for the games that Devontae Booker gets to start. Uh, one burning question. Mine was Daniel Jones related. Uh, can Daniel Jones reach the potential that got him drafted as high as, as he did? Because I think we're still waiting for that. And as he goes, I think all of the guys we just mentioned are kind of going to go. So that's where I landed on one burning question. Anybody else come up with anything different? I mean, that that's the real life question. My question was, who gets left out in the cold? Like in this equation, if everybody is healthy or semi-healthy, we're talking Evan Ingram, Kenny Galladay, uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony, John, uh, uh, Saquon Barkley. I mean, you've got all the. I, I almost said John Ross, but not if they're not. Gonna <laughs> but, but like, you got all these pieces that we just named. They can't all be successful. So either injuries or lack of targets is going to affect one or more of those players. So to me, it that's the conversation where we can maybe talk about after all of this of why it's it's really tough to find a spot for Kenny Galladay in my rankings because somebody has to get less targets than they should. And I think it end, might end up being everybody gets brought down a little bit until there are some injuries that come into play. 
I've been of the mind that Evan Ingram's the one that probably gets hurt the most from all of the new additions slash the return of Saquon Barkley at some point. So that's the question for me is, is who is left out in the cold of this offense? Because there is work to go around. And there, are some, there are some weapons on this offense that are really, really exciting, but they can't all be productive every single week all season long. So I kind of piggybacked on both of that. And mine is what the hell is the offensive identity of this team? We know Dave Gettleman wants to build it in the trenches. We know Joe Judge, who I know well, wants to run it, play really good special teams and really good defense. They want to build it through Saquon, who we know can't carry 100% of the load that they want to take. But you go out and you bring in Kenny Galladay and pay him a ton of money. You have all these weapons on offense. Kind of like the Steelers' mentality is they want to win 3 nothing, but we keep drafting first-round receivers and we're pissed off. We throw it 50 times with Ben Roethlisberger. What is, by the way, this division, you're going to have to put up some numbers – I don't know that running the ball and playing good defense is going to keep you in games when Dallas is going to be Dallas, but that offense is going to be on fire. They're going to put up numbers. We just talked about Washington. What is the offensive identity and how does that correlate to all these guys we're talking about? That's a yeah, great that, point. That, that's yeah. a great point because that, that goes back to the real life football aspect of, I don't know what this team is because I could argue their offensive line got worse this off season year over year. And you're coming into a make or break year for Daniel Jones and you've, you know, you've, you've added these, the weapon pieces for him, but in the trenches that you really didn't improve this year. So you're going to need a big step forward from Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert and some of these guys. I don't know if Nate Solder is going to start or how much he has left in the tank. You lost Zeitler. Like I look at this team and I go, this team has pieces to win the division. But they have a lot of questions at two very, very, very important parts. And that's the offensive line and the quarterback. And I think that's going to ultimately be the decision of whether this is a six-win team or a nine-win team this year is simply based on those two things. And I'm leaning closer to six. I love the coaching. I love the defense. I love the offensive weapons. But those are but offensive line and quarterback are not places to have weaknesses. You can't hide those two. It's hard for those weapons and that quarterback to play good when they're running for their lives. And can't they hide those two spots. It's just how it works. Uh, any different names in the must-have, must-avoid categories that we didn't mention? I put Evan Ingram as my must-avoid. We've already talked about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not drafting Evan Ingram. Um, if, in a 12-team, you know, one tight end league, I'm not drafting Evan Ingram. You know, still inside my top 20, but, like, he's not in that where I quote, quote-unquote draftable territory. You know, I don't like Kenny Galladay where he's going now, but I think his ADP is at least reasonable. It's in the 20s. Um, that's not where I have him ranked. I have him, I'm trying to see where I ended up putting him uh, in my final rankings. I have him at wide receiver 34. So he's still going higher than I feel comfortable taking him. But I also don't think his ADP, I realize that I'm super low on him. So, but I think his ADP being in the 20s is at least reasonable. Uh, but yeah, it just, it, to me, there's more, this team is more about avoiding the big bust potential of Saquon Barkley and looking at where some of the value might be in Sterling Shepard and Devontae Booker. The Dallas Cowboys, next team up on the list. Biggest bust potential. I have two names written down here with question marks next to both of them. Okay, go for it, Chris, because I actually don't – I didn't find one that I loved here. I I don't love this answer. I just put Dak and Zeke, and I just put them next to each other and put a question mark because, like, yeah, Dak's coming off a major injury, Like, and we can all assume that he's going to be healthy and he's going to be okay, but we don't know. And we saw what Zeke was without Dak. It wasn't great, and he's going relatively high. What, where's he going? RB11, RB13, I think is where I, I saw him last. I, I can check here. You, uh, RB, let me I change it to PPR scoring. He's going RB7. Yeah, that's, I think that's where I have him ranked as well, RB7. So it's kind of linked, though, I isn't it? I don't love it. it. 
I don't. It's love kind it. of linked because you were getting top five running back production from Zeke for those five weeks. Now, in a completely different way, because he was not clearly was not the same rusher, but the right. pass catching was boosting his value. So I guess in that way, it's it's Dak's leg, right? Like if if that's not healthy, that affects literally the entire roster, but it probably affects obviously himself and Zeke more than anybody else. Yeah, and that's where I landed on it. I just I put them both together and put. Who do they bring in to be a backup to this year? By the way, do you know? I, I can look this up. I thought honestly, about that yesterday. Like you had Andy Dalton, which was solid as it could be, and I don't remember them making a splash. Let's I was find cool. out. I mean, that's, I have it up here. So I went a different uh, way here, guys. Oh boy, it's they didn't. Ugh. They nope. didn't. Cooper Cooper Rush. Cooper Garrett Rush. And ben baby. That's still a thing, huh? Woo. Yeah, I, they need to be in a market. Them and the Jets both need to be in a market for a backup quarterback in in cut season. Yeah, for sure. I, look, this one's tough. I went with Zeke as a sleeper. Honestly, I just Tyron Smith coming back, Frederick being healthy. This offensive line, Lyle Collins, come, he's okay. They're not what they were three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. When that offensive line's healthy and Tyron Smith's healthy, he's one of the best left tackles in football. They're solid. They're going to throw the crap out of it. Who gets left out there? I think C.D. Lamb, I put as a bust potential. I love this kid. I think he's a monster. He's in the slot. But Amari Cooper is the one. There's just a lot going on. I can see him. There was times last year where he peaked and he flattened out. And I don't know that he's going to be that much better of a player. Right now, I understand it's Andy Dalton, his Dak, and his things. They're going to throw the crap out of it. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm picking, you know, straws here. Oh. I, I want to talk about this for a second because I am in love with CD Lamb, but the hype is getting ridiculous. Yes, that's kind of where and I was. That's my, and it's only going to get worse with hard knocks. If you had to guess, Chris, I hope you don't have this up because I, I, want, I want you guys to guess. What do you think now? In my rankings, uh, I thought I was pretty high, and I, but I like where you have him, but I have him at wide receiver 20. Okay, I thought that was fun. Where do you think his current ADP is right now in PPR League among wide receivers? 14, 15. Okay, Chris, what was, do you think? I was going to say 12, 13. 13. That's going high, to be man. pushing top 10 by the time Hard Knocks goes off the air. So you're saying their slot receiver is their number one option on this team? Yeah, he's above. And he's Cooper, hit, $20 million to be the number two option. Him I don't being above Amari Cooper is wrong. Yeah. I, I, and I, look, I have I, Cooper I as my must-have because of that reason, because of where his ADP is. Amari Cooper's target share with Dak Prescott is over 21% since they've been together. With, with an, over nine yards per target and a catch percentage above two-thirds with a five-plus percent touchdown rate. Those are really, really good numbers. Amari Cooper, I, I, have, I have done such a 180 on Amari Cooper <laughs> in the last five years. If you remember way back when in the fan rag days when we were doing like pigskin with pancakes and the original this podcast and there's that before I, I took Chris's job and then Chris came back on the show years later, whatever it was where I was like Amari Cooper – it was basically a bust because I, I hated the way he was used at the then then Oakland Raiders. I've completely done a 180 on him. Uh, he is now one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. People just uh, – even by his own fan base. Everybody is so enamored now with CeeDee Lamb, who is amazing. I'm not knocking CeeDee Lamb. Again, I have two Cowboys in my top 20 wide receivers. But one, Cooper needs to be going above CeeDee Lamb, period, end of story, no arguments. And two, at 13, like you are – again, talking about – Taking players at their absolute peak value that aren't first-round players, I just can't do it. So to me, if he starts creeping into the – and he's going to be in the wide receiver one block by the time Hard Knocks comes off the air in my estimation because, look, dude's a star and he's going to look great. 
But man, I just I can't take him at that value. I don't want to call him a bust, but I think he might bust at that value. He that's my whole point. I love this kid, but he's playing the slot. He's only going to play in the slot. Michael Gallup still there, still still a yeah. thing. Like that's why I like Zeke as a sleeper because with Dak's injury and his offensive line being a little healthier, I think they understand they have to run it some. You have the weakest, probably weakest defense in this division. And you need to change that time of possession a little bit in your favor and go back to running it. That, that's the only way you're going to be able to play action it. I, you know, I, I don't know if I like, you know, a seven. Zeke's not a sleeper, but Zeke has a top four running back potential if he goes back yeah. to what he was. He's not like he got old. He just had a bad year. They had a bad offensive line. His quarterback got hurt. And he got paid the year before. Embarrassment is a great motivating that's, factor for guys. That's in the, NFL, the thing. Superstars especially. That's the thing. I, this is This is the, this is the, you know, sack up season for yes. him this is the you got embarrassed last year people were making fun of you we know you're an elite talent we know you're an elite competitor you didn't but now is your time to show it and i do think he's going to have a really strong bounce back season as long as Dak is healthy yeah i mean if ben denucci's his quarterback you can only do so much but i i do think he's going to be healthy if if Dak is healthy that you're going to get a really strong season out of zeke how disrespectful to ben denucci um did you watch I ben threw- denucci try to attempt to play football i did Okay. I had a I had a different name for biggest sleeper, and again, this is another one that I put a question mark around because I didn't necessarily love where I landed on this. I put Blake Jarwin down. There you go. Jump on I, the Blake I just, Jarwin train. I, I I just think like yeah, we we just mentioned how great we all feel about Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper, but like Dak Prescott's going to throw the ball to the tight end, and like Blake Jarwin, why the guy that only plays in the slot can only get so much love. Right. And and so I, I don't love it because, again, everything we just mentioned about the other receivers that this team has. But I had to pick a sleeper and no one's talking about Blake Jarwin because they're talking about all those other guys. So I, I, I you know, I jumped on the train, Jamie. Yeah, I'm going two for two here. I had Blake Jarwin as my cowboy sleeper last year and obviously had a devastating injury. And I'm, I'm going to come back this year if he is healthy, which, by the way, that is still a huge if right now, like that we have to make sure he's going to be healthy enough to start. Uh Look, whoever ends up being the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys is going to have some value. They're going to be a five-ish target a game player. You know, no, they're not going to get targeted quite targeted quite the same as Jason Witten did a few years back. But there is room in this Cowboys offense for Dak to throw the tight end. He will like to do it. We saw some value at time from Dalton Schultz last year in that role once Blake Jarwin got hurt. I think Jarwin's a more talented pass catcher than Dalton Schultz in this role. So if he is healthy and ready to go week one, I agree with you. I, I think he's a player that. I would not be shocked if he finished the year among the top 12 tight ends. Uh, our burning question, are we all somewhat similarly in the, hey, what does this offense look like with Dak Prescott back and healthy? No, because we know what that we know what it looks like. Yeah, to me, it's, it's, it's similar, but can Dallas keep the volume up all season? And what I mean by that is this was a team over the last two years where Dak Prescott has averaged 40 pass attempts per game in the games Dak Prescott has started. That is a lot. Now, Partly because that defense can't stop anything or anybody <laughs> ever. And they it's so funny because they spent all of their draft picks on like all of their like day one and day two draft picks on defense, and nobody thinks they got any better, which is really a scary sign if you're the Dallas Cowboys on defense. So and that's and I'm not knocking the guys they drafted, just more like that defense needs so much work that they just, you know, you're you're dumping your droplets of water in an empty swimming pool at this point. Uh, to me, it's just can they continue to throw? Because at that volume, you if healthy, you could see some really stupid numbers. Like you saw how my projections actually have Dak Prescott to break the all-time passing record. Now he's got the extra game to benefit him to get him over the mark. But 
if he passes anywhere near the sort of volume, I'm not even asking him to do what he did last year. I'm asking him to do what he did combined over the last two seasons when healthy. We're going to see some really stupid numbers for Dak Prescott, all the pass catching options, Ezekiel Elliott. Volume to me is going to be the key here. And I don't really necessarily think there's a reason to believe that they won't have to continue to do this in order to stay in games. I went along those lines, James, because for the volume to stay up, this offensive line, as I just mentioned, is healthier, has to play well, and has to stay healthy. If Tyron Smith goes down again, that volume you're talking about, they're going to have to try to run the ball. As I go back to why Zeke's my sleeper, for that volume to stay up in the passing game, they have to try to run it more. I mean, that just makes sense. It sounds a little weird, but they have to try to do that to sustain drives, keep the clock on their side. It'll be interesting to see what this defense looks like with Dan Quinn. They're going to be vanilla. It's going to be that cover three Seattle, which they have the front seven to run a four, three. I'm not sure they have the back end to do a whole lot. And they need some of these guys are paying a lot of money to rush the passer and do some stuff. The linebacking course healthy, that will help, but they have to try to play to that. They can't just go, okay, we're going to put up 40 and we're not going to win the time possession. And we're going to lose like we did last year. That's not going to work. That's not, something's got to change there. So the identity plus the offensive line was my question. The Philadelphia Eagles are the last. I just say, Chris, you bust Jalen Hurts. Talk about it. We'll start with the biggest bust potential. Okay, we know what it is, Chris. Say it. Just talk about it. Uh, It's Jalen Hurts for me. Yeah. Who who could have seen that coming? Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts for me. And I I feel like if you want to hear my thoughts about Jalen Hurts, you can listen to the Top 200 show. You can listen to all the other podcasts that I've done. You can listen to any podcast we've ever done ever. Because Chris finds a way to work in his, his, his Jalen Hurts slander. So I won't I won't go too uh, too much on this, but yes, I feel like a guy who's going in as a top ten quarterback it has the biggest potential to be a bust when he really can't throw the ball uh, efficiently compared to those other guys. So I'll leave it at that. I went with Devonta Smith. This passing game is going to suffer. I, I, look, we love this kid. This is like the worst case scenario yeah. for him to get drafted. You know, he was like, "Oh, you're getting reunited with Jalen Hurts," and inside he had to be like, "Dude." I already said I like Mac Jones over Tua and this dude transfer because Tua beat him out. Like I, this ain't good for me as a pass catcher. He's going to be able to beat man coverage. He's elite. I love him. But the name and the Heisman trophy and what he did last year is going to have him over drafted on a team. that's not going to throw it efficiently and not going to throw it that much. Yeah. I, I thought about him for this as well. Cause he's being drafted right now. It's a borderline top 40 wide receiver. Uh, and I just, I don't think he's going to get any sort of that. <laughs> He's just not an offense to get that sort of production like that. That I, I love the talent, but that I agree with you, Jake. That scares me. He's not in a great spot. And my bus is going to be along the same lines. And it's my concern is with Dallas Goddard. I think right now we're making a lot of assumptions. As of right now, we are recording this episode. It is 12.23 p.m. Eastern time on July 24th. And Zach Ertz is still on the Philadelphia Eagles roster. July 24th? We went 10 days into July 14th, the 14th, whatever. Whatever. Either way. Sorry, because he gets traded, honestly, he's probably still going to be on the roster 10 days from now. My concern is going to be is we're still making a lot of assumptions about the role Dallas Goddard's going to have on this team. Last year, it was a very short sample size, but last year in the sample size when he was on the field with Jalen Hurts, Goddard got about a 15, 15.04% target share compared to Zach Ertz's 14.2. It was essentially 50-50 between those two guys. And there were games that were more Zach Ertz games where he got like six, seven targets. There were games that were more Dallas Goddard games. You know, Goddard has some injury history as well that has to be accounted for, uh, which I factored in as well as the Zach Ertz if he ends up playing there. My concern is going to be, I think everybody thinks he's going to, A, until Ertz gets traded, he hasn't been traded, and it's been a long time, and B, 
this offense isn't going to pass the ball well. I, I think we all agree on the Jalen Hurts as a passer. I think we disagree yes. on where their fantasy value lies, but as a, as a passer, it's not going to be anything very significant. Had a catch percentage under 65% with him last year. Wasn't high yards per target with him with Jalen Hurts last year. I, like, I think he'll be solid. I think he'll be like a nine-ish fantasy point per game player, somebody that you're going to put right around the bottom part of tight end one territory. But right now, he's going as a tight end seven, uh, you know, above Noah Fant, you know, above guys like even like a Logan Thomas. Uh, you know, I just – I just can't put him in that category right now. Um, just to me, it's there's just too much potential for him until, you know, I think that might be a little bit like I ranked him, to be fair, I ranked him 11th, assuming Ertz leaves. Like that's as high as I would put him, even with Ertz gone. And he's going right now seven with Ertz still on the roster. Biggest sleeper. I, this was hard because Very I don't think there's a lot of them. The only one I'll throw out there is, is Jalen Rager. That's, That's yeah. the one name I came to mind. He was actually the most targeted wide receiver by Jalen Hurts once he took over as the starter. 19 targets in the three games the Eagles tried, and then the fourth game where they blatantly lost and everybody got they fired. They tried. How dare you? They did that. Well, the players tried. I'm not sure the coaching the staff did. That's why they're not there no more. Uh, but in, in those three games before whatever that weirdness was against Washington the last week, uh, Rager was the most targeted uh, wide receiver on the team with 19 targets in that. It's going as the wide receiver 60 right now. Like, that's about okay. Like, there's not a lot of value with him. But if there's a chance that I, I, he's the top wide receiver in Philadelphia – Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's going to be anything more than a bench player for you and your team, but I don't really think there's a great, at least in my mind, I don't think there's a great sleeper on this team. You know what you're going to get from Miles Sanders. You know what you're going to get from some of these guys. Like, I don't know. Miles what do you guys Sanders think? Sanders is my sleeper because I think he might be kind of the forgotten guy where last year he had a ton of hype. And he's what? He's the only guy in the NFL with three 80-plus yard touchdowns and yeah. however long, whatever that stat is. I mean, he's a home run hitter, so – He's got, I think everything's going to go through him. If they're going to run the read option and some of this different stuff out of the gun and these RPOs, he has a chance to pop and hit. I think he kind of could be forgotten where he was, a, what, a top 14 guy last year, top 12 guy on some boards. I don't know. Actually, actually, that's a good call, yeah, because right now he's going as the RB19. Yeah, he's uh, I, I put him in my must-have for ADP. Yeah. That's where yeah. I, I landed on him for this for this group. But, yeah, I, I certainly considered him for the sleeper. Uh, the one burning question. It's got to um, be. We all know what that is. Yeah. It's got to be the like, quarterback position. I, I will read this verbatim. WTF are we getting from Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I, I wrote it. I kind of wrote it a little bit nicer. I went, what kind of quarterback play does this team get? I, I just put QB, question mark. Yeah. So I think we're all yep. in agreement here yeah. that that's really the biggest fantasy question because I think as that goes, everything else uh, yeah, is going to go. Team, you know, this is so fun because like to me the other day, the Bills just went boom. Elite quarterback, really good roster. They're head and shoulders. Other teams have to get better to catch them, right? This one, at least the Giants could be pretty good. They got to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Washington, we talked about the offense could be really good. They got to stay healthy. Dallas, what does the defense look like? Philly sucks. Yeah. You go back to this coaching search, and this is what they end up with. I think they downgraded the entire coaching staff from where it was, whether Frank Reich wanted to be there or not, and or Pitt Peterson wanted to be there or not, you know, all that whole thing, and who wanted what, and this thing got blown up and they ended up downgrading, in my opinion, X's and O's wise, experience wise. This roster's not very good. This defense isn't very good. They could be really bad. Like, this yeah. is fun to do just from a fantasy perspective, but it gives you a real life lens 
into football, when you're looking at these divisions and how they play each other, they don't match up very well with anybody in their division for sure. Uh, that's it. NFC East in the books. We will be back. Do we want to go out West next week, gentlemen? Do we want to just go across to the other you coast? You can make the call, Chris. All right, we're going to go AFC your West desires. on Monday's edition of the show. So we'll do the AFC West divisions West. next week. So the just AFC fantasy West. value in the AFC West. Just, just a couple of guys. Just a little yeah, bit. A couple about. players. Yeah, just a couple of guys to talk about in the AFC West. So you can look forward to that. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy and uh, the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. Jamie's got all sorts of fantasy content up there. The rankings, the projections are all up there on the site as well. So lots of good stuff to look forward to on the site, the draftnetwork.com. Everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.